This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Oh, it was all a con. The sun were never going to get rid of the old boobies, were they, on page three? So she's back. She's back. And they've said uh, here, clarifications and corrections. Uh, this is a picture of Nicole from Bournemouth. I bet North Bournemouth's really thrilled. One of your own, eh, today? That's lovely, isn't it? And they'd like to apologise on behalf of the print and broadcast journalists who spent the last two days talking and writing about us. Oh, that's good, isn't it? Oh, I must have a word with Stig on Sunday about that, you know. So we've still got the old boobies, and as I say, it's nice to see that uh, Nicole from Bournemouth is somewhat lopsided, poor soul. I mean, you know, it's nice to put people with a disadvantage in the paper, and there she is. How many ingredients in the McDonald's chips? I was horrified to discover 19. Kind of make me think differently about chips in future. Well, just remember, they're not chips, are they? They're French fries. That's different. That's different. Because I thought just potato, maybe a little bit of salt and uh, and maybe some oil. No, there's a whole list of ingredients. In fact, they actually had a feature on American television um, whereby they, they went to the factory that makes McDonald's fries. And they, they listed all the different oils and things like that, including uh, one that they put in as a colouring to make them look brown and healthy. I thought they were just frying them, but apparently not. And then another one they put in there to stop them going off colour when they freeze them. It's all carefully thought out, isn't it? God knows what's going on in our bodies. I mean, I've never quite understood what's going on in my body. And uh, yes, Dan. Dan sent me a, a text this morning. He said, was that really you standing by the side of the road at quarter to three this morning? He said, I did see your car further up the road. He was playing on his iPad. Yes. I mean, today's idiot driver. To be honest with you, I've never been so late in my life. I got here about 20 past three. 20 past three. You know, it doesn't really give you very much time to put a programme together. But luckily, I'm a professional. So he... Um, he arrives for 15 minutes. He's sitting outside the wrong address, which then apparently turns into my fault. He phones me eventually, eventually, because he was obviously far too busy on the iPad. And so he goes, um, I'm outside. I said, no, you're not. He said, I'm outside. I said, no, you're not. It's a bit pointless talking to somebody when you're standing there outside your place and there's nobody there. Would have been easy to get on your bus down. And so eventually, to cut a long story short, either I said, well, you better fire me. I said, because now you're late. Now you're late. You know, you've wasted everybody's time. So he sort of says, he said, but I was, I was up there. I said, well, I don't live up there. Might as well have been sitting on the moon. Why is it you get such incompetent idiots out there? How do they get jobs as drivers now? I mean, is there some test? Do they have a rearranged building bricks or something? And also, to make it worse, all the way into town, we had the, um, the sat-nav on. Bing, 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 bing. Safety camera. Bing, 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 bing. It goes about 30 times on my journey. There's that many safety cameras on the journey. You know, at the roundabout, take the first exit. At the roundabout, take the se- Literally, so loud, I nearly recorded it to play it back to you. And when we go over the Hammersmith flyover, now you will remember the Hammersmith flyover, will you not? Because halfway down the Hammersmith flyover, they put a speed hump in. Well, Bozo this morning didn't even see it. We took off like something out of Back to the Future. And that was the only time I got, oh, sorry. What I wanted to do was fall on the floor screaming and writhing in agony and get him taken to court. I've never known such a bad drive. When we got here, he said, oh, sorry, uh, sorry about that. I said, you know, I haven't been this late in my entire career. Amateurs. 
Amateurs. Bloody amateurs. Drives me mad. Anyway, talking of the amateurs, they were out at the National Television Awards. You want to see some of the frocks some of these poor creatures are wearing. Do they think it's Los Angeles and it's the Oscars? It's the National Television Awards. It's hosted by Dermot O'Dreary. It's a low-rent affair where they get a few people out there. They oh. I'd say you had a few people from TOWIE. What they were doing? They weren't nominated. It's not even on screen. Nobody's interested. So they were there. Plain packaging for cigarettes. Makes no difference to me. Couldn't care less. I don't smoke. I've been a bit sorry for people. I only thought about this the other day. Here's a thought. We go out for our Christmas lunch, and there's, I think, about 12 or 14 of us. A bit embarrassing when you can't remember, but anyway, it was very nice. And at the next table were another load of people, probably about 10 of them, but half the table smoked. So once they'd got through the first course, and that was obviously a bit of an effort for them, because I don't think they'd ever used knives and forks before, they then sort of went outside, and that, that, that was then the start of their Christmas lunch, which was, I mean, if they'd been at home, they probably would have had the ashtray in the middle of the table. It would have been easier for them. But they had to keep leaving the table to go outside. And so at no time after they'd actually sat down, getting them to sit down was a bit of a problem. I don't think they'd sat actually on chairs before uh, or seen Christmas decorations. And so they were there. And then every so often, uh, at least two, three or four of them got up from the table to go outside for a cigarette. Hardly worth having Christmas dinner if you're not actually there to enjoy it. You know, and they go, your next course has arrived. Oi, next course, food. You paid for it. It was, a, it was a bit tragic, really. So I thought about it. And then I thought about the plain packaging for cigarettes. And then I thought, does it, we all know what they are. What difference does plain packaging make? I used to smoke Dunhill International because they were expensive. And, and I liked the taste of them. The ones I couldn't bear were Benson and Hedges. They used to make me cough like anything. And I used to smoke Rothmans if I was, if I was sort of pushing it. If I had a cold, San Moritz or Consulate. Consulate were a bit chav. But Sam Moritz were great. And then if you were really feeling flash, you were going out for the night, cocktail cigarettes. They were sort of really flash. But, I mean, I've not smoked for donkey's years now. But I feel sorry for people who do. who have to. And there's probably many of you listening who smoke cigarettes. You have to get up from the table, go out. I've sat at dinner with, with a few people. And, um, and every so often, somebody says, I'm just nipping outside for a cigarette. And you think, what was the point of coming for dinner? You know, either you're having dinner or you're standing on the pavement having a cigarette. Doesn't quite make any sense to me, but that's just me. Anyway, so tomorrow there's a load of us going out for lunch. Lobster. Bit excited. Bit excited. So uh, it started off, I think there's about three of us. Now I think there's about nine of us. I don't think it, I should know it. And then I get a, a text message yesterday from somebody asking me to, uh, to lunch next, next Thursday. And it's somebody I've only ever met once. But uh, he works on radio. So I'm constantly bumping into people on radio. And yesterday, I get... <laughs> so I leave here. I've done... What have I done? Oh, we, we had a really good meeting yesterday. A really good meeting. This was what they call the company meeting, where they show you slides and they show you what our new studio is going to look like. I can't wait to tweet a picture of it. It's so futuristic. It's like... It will be like the uh, the Starship Enterprises command deck. Seriously. It looks as good as that. It looks as... I was quite excited. I sort of sat there and, and because it's election year and there's all sorts of other things going on and I was quite excited. And then they sort of said, and we've got the LBC books coming out and they mentioned Steve Allen's book, which is called So You Want to Be a Celebrity. I was going to send a copy to Josie Cunningham, but I thought, no, she can pay for it out of her benefits. She might as well. It's available on, uh, on Amazon for pre-order. Comes out on the 12th of February. Uh, Nick Ferrari's got one and uh, James O'Brien's got one, Ian Dale's got one, who else has got one? Somebody else has got one. Oh, Duncan Barks. How could I forget Duncan? I was sitting behind him at the meeting. But there was one sad thing at the meeting. Now, I don't know if you remember, I told you that before Christmas, uh, a friend of mine, Joe, who used to work at LBC, he was uh, a reporter, producer, 
And he went to go and live in Scotland. And, um, and he'd been looking for a partner for ages, for ages and ages and ages. Couldn't find the right partner. Goes up to Scotland and he finds this guy called Gordon. And uh, they start a relationship. And so we sort of kept in, in contact. And then before Christmas, uh, Joe sent me a text. And he said, uh, he said, we're coming down to London. He said, do you want to meet for breakfast? So I said, yeah. Yeah, let's make for why not? I haven't had breakfast for ages uh, with you, so we'll sort of do a do a catch up. And he's working on the television up there. Anyway, he comes down with with Gordon, and Gordon's on crutches. Now, I thought I remember telling you the story that Gordon has got motor neurons disease. He's effectively dying. It, there's no two ways about it. There is no cure for this at all, and. Halfway through the meeting yesterday, and I'd, I obviously hadn't switched on to it. So I was sort of, you know, just taking everything in. And they show this thing and they go on Ian Dale's programme. They're going to be doing Gordon's Diary. And what it's going to be, and to be honest with you, knowing how much Ian Dale cries, this one's going to be, this is going to be the tearjoker, the, the tearjoker, because Gordon is going to do a diary of how he feels as he's taking in, effectively, the last month's of his life. They say that somebody with, with motor neurons, from diagnosis, it's generally about 14 months. That's what they call life expectancy. Now, I don't know how many of you listening have relatives who've had motor neurons. It's the most awful thing. I mean, to watch Gordon trying to get in and out of chairs, to get him upstairs was a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. So that was a problem. And they'd said at the time, he said he could be in a wheelchair at Christmas. It's, it moves fairly fast. So I I spoke to Ian Dale and I said, I didn't realise that when they said Gordon's diary, that was Joe's other half, Gordon, who's uh, who's got motor neurons. He said, yeah. He said, it's all I can do to hold it together at the moment because Ian's uh, possibly worse than me. We can probably both sit down and watch the same films and both cry at the same time. But I think that's quite healthy. And so I was so sorry, but at the same time, so pleased that Gordon's last months and how you face up to that, don't ask me. I've got no idea. I've got no idea how, if somebody says... In fact, there was a guy on the television. It was one of these hospital A&E programmes on this morning. Couldn't find an interceptor programme. So I got the hospital thing, and it was a bloke lying in a bed in a hospital with a beard. And the, the doctor was saying to him, listen, the, uh, the cancer has spread around your body. He said, so what we need to do, he said, we need to get you to the specialist upstairs. He said, but he said, I think we should... Look at it in the fact that it's spread so fast that we might not be able to do anything about it. What he was effectively saying was, it's terminal. And I think exactly the same. How I would face up to it, I don't know. I would probably do the same as Gordon. I would probably want people to to follow it through with you, because everybody can sympathise with it. So if you if you tune in to Ian Dale, he will tell you more about it. We've been running trails on LBC for, for Gordon's diary, and I think it's going to be, you know, there will come that time where Joe says he didn't make it through the night. That's, there is a story in the paper today. You'll, you'll smile at it because it's, because it's almost poetic justice. It's a man who reached his 100th birthday, and so... Just before 12 o'clock, the family starts singing happy birthday. At one minute past 12, he drops dead. <laughs> now, I laugh because I'm thinking at least he went out with the sound of music in his ears. 
But, you know, it's it's so difficult because nowadays there's so many illnesses, there's so many things that people can pick up. And, and you don't know where it comes from. You've got no idea, you know, can you catch cancer by shaking somebody's hand? No. You know, can you get it for this? It's, it's, it's a really difficult thing. And so Gordon will live through Ian Dale's programme as they do this, this diary. And I think that's a, that's a fantastic thing to do. I'd want to do that as well. I'd want to do it on everybody's programme, though, but that's... That's just me. Uh, we've got the papers today. We've got more from Prince Andrew. It's not going away at all. Uh, the eye test, which can reveal dyslexia. And the fox of Folkestone jailed over a fraud. He's one of these. He's a little mummy's boy, but he ripped people off. In fact, he was just a butcher who lived with mummy and daddy in Folkestone. So we'll tell you all about him and why he's been sent to prison. Oh, and the Moors murderer, Ian Brady, who claims he's nearing the end of his life. See? Told you there was good news this morning. Quarter past four. Leading Britain's conversation. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. This morning from seven on LBC. It's Thursday. I love call Clegg. I love call Clegg. And so it returns. You can pose your questions to the Deputy Prime Minister, Nick Clegg, after nine. And it'll be three general elections that will have passed since the 2003 Iraq War before we get the official verdict into the American-led invasion supported so strongly by Tony Blair. So Nick wonders, should... Sir John Chilcott be compelled to give evidence to MPs before May's general election. And a young lady combats revenge porn in a unique way. The freelance journalist instrumental in breaking the Savile abuse story, Miles Goslett, is the paper reviewer. And uh, Nick and the team will be taking your calls after news at seven this morning. That's after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. I forgot to mention that uh, Gordon's diary on Ian Dale's programme. Uh, Gordon is 29. And that's when you think to yourself, are you sure there's a God? Are you sure there's, there's actually somebody up there? Are you sure there's somebody looking after you? Because, to be honest with you, I think it's a load of codswallop. I really do. I don't think there is a God. It can't be. Why would he let a 29-year-old die? Why would he, you know, why would he allow Jimmy Savile to carry on abusing girls over a period of God knows how many years? And all these other people. There can't be a God, can there? There can't be. It must be cobblers. Absolutely ridiculous. Anyway, the good news was I, I, we finished having the meeting yesterday and I sort of trundle off down the road, you know, this is my want, you know, sort of thinking to myself, you know, like, because I bumped into another presenter at one of our sister stations. I do it on a daily basis. But this particular one came to, uh, came to my magic show at the Magic Circle. And somebody said, oh, have you met Steve Allen? He said, no. He said, I, I wish you'd done more at the, at the Magic Show. I said, you know, if only I'd been better, but I was really sick. I was struggling with the, with the cough and all the rest of it. So uh, and I, then I said to him, I said, I'll pop in and see you today, because he does a 10 till one show, does Ian. And, uh, and then the interview that I've got today uh, got shelved for reasons which I'd love to explain to you, but I can't. And... Um, and so I had to send him a text saying, I'll have to catch up with you next week. So he said, that's fine. He said, I'm here every day, 10 till 1, which I thought was good. So anyway, so I, I go down and I'm waiting by the bus and it's cold. And I'm thinking, all I want to do is get home. I just, I wanted to have chilli con carne. I was, I, I just think chilli con carne is a warmer. I quite like the idea. And then I thought I'd have it with some crusty bread. And then I thought, no, bread's really bad for you, Stephen. Don't have bread. Try and take bread out of your, out of your life, out of your mind. Don't think about it at all. And so I'm standing by the, and, it, and the bus pulls up. And the driver waves at me. Now, I have a lovely lady who waves at me, who drives, uh, I think she does the 176 or the 139. Is it the one? It's the 176, I think. Anyway, so, so this guy's doing the 176. So he waves at me. So I, I, I sort of go into my, hiya, how are you? Think, and then I suddenly, I sat down and I thought, 
wonder if he was waving at the people who do the tour buses who are waiting at the same bus stop as me. So I sit there with this fixed grin on my face thinking, I probably made the biggest, biggest mistake of my life. Anyway, the bus comes into Waterloo. I stand up to get off and he, he waves. He goes, be with you tomorrow, Steve. I thought, he's a listener. I get a lot of bus drivers. A lot of bus, don't we, Dan? I a lot of bus drivers, a lot of train drivers, a lot of people who are delivering, a lot of nurses, a lot of doctors, a lot of people getting up to, to go to work, a lot of insomniacs, a lot of ill people. I get, also, I get, a, I get a complete cross-section on this programme. I absolutely love it. I mean, when they say 9 to 90, they're not kidding. They're really not kidding. So, looking at the stories in the papers today, and having had the National Television Awards the other day, now, now you've got more on Prince Andrew... And the woman at the centre of this scandal has said, um, she, they, they've sort of sent him a letter basically saying, are you going to tell the truth? Now, here is the dilemma. Does he have immunity from prosecution? I don't know. Nobody's too sure about that one. Uh, all people want is the answer to certain questions. I have another question. I have another question for His Royal Highness uh, Prince Andrew. Have you ever been to the £3.7 million Ghislaine Maxwell house with this girl, Virginia Roberts. Have you ever been inside this house? Now, bearing in mind, this house, which is, uh, which is in a, a part of London, it's, it's, a very, it's a very posh part of London, but there's a pub over the road. And they used to watch the goings and the other things at the house. They used to watch cars pull up and things like that. Now, the question for Prince Andrew is, and this girl, she's, she's getting now, she's made new allegations. They've also said in one of the papers today, I mean, to, to, be, to be brutally honest with you, I couldn't care less who sleeps with whom. I'm not remotely interested. I'm only interested when somebody says, listen, this happened, and the other person goes, no, it didn't. Because then you start thinking, now, either she's made this whole story up, in which case... Why? Why would you make something up about somebody you don't know? But there again, she does know him. She must do. She has a picture taken with him. He's got his arm around her waist. You know, I mean, if I had a picture taken with my producer, Will, I wouldn't be putting my arm around... Well, I couldn't. Wouldn't go round. But anyway, I'm so, I mean that in a caring way. <laughs> two, two waists. Good Lord. And, um, and so he's got his arm around her waist. She's a very pretty girl. But... I don't know anything more about it. I only know what she's said. I only know that Buckingham Palace have issued a denial. Uh, they've said nothing happened. So, but then how does he know her? Has he ever been to the house with the red door opposite the pub in London? Because I have a very good friend who drinks in this pub. And he's told me things of things that <clears throat> he's seen over the years. For the last five years, he's been telling me things. And all people want to know is the truth. If somebody's prepared to go into court in America and make these allegations about somebody that we know... I mean, we all know the reputation of Prince Andrew. We all know that he's Air Miles Andy. We all know he's a freeloader. We know that he was Randy Andy. We know that he's got himself into trouble with girls in the past. So, I mean, in theory, it's kind of... It's, it's a right-today sort of story. But being Prince Andrew and his bodyguards will tell you this, and I've heard this from really good sources, he does what he wants to do. He's a member of the royal family. You cannot just go up and talk to members of the royal family. If they don't want to say anything, they don't say anything. You can't touch the Queen. You mustn't ask them questions. You've got to wait till they approach you. So at the end of the day, all people want to know is, do you know this girl? 
because he's going to have to say yes, unless he's going to lie, because he must know her. You don't put your arm, you know, if you're Prince Andrew in 2001, round the waist of a 17-year-old girl if you don't know them. She, he must know her. But how does he know her? That's what people want to know. And Buckingham Palace are now issued another denial. Another denial. I mean, I'm beginning to think, because one of the papers said today that they've got evidence that they were both in the same place at the same time because they arrived in on a jet. And the, uh, you know, the air miles say that they were both here at the same time. So what they're doing is stacking up this evidence. Now, I've got no idea. I don't know anything about Prince Andrew apart from what the newspapers have told us over the years. <clears throat> but I would love to know, have you ever been to this house, Prince Andrew? Have you ever been to this Muse house? Did you ever, you know, go there? Did you meet girls? Did you meet this particular girl? How do you know her? It's only straightforward stuff. What what they're doing is they're saying that because in certain parts of the world the age of consent is different, she was underage. She's demanded that he face charges. He, at the moment, I mean, if, all right, look at it hypothetically. Just imagine, just imagine it's true. Just imagine it's true. He's got to brazen it out because now he's gone so far down the line of saying it didn't happen. If it did, they're going to absolutely destroy him because that will mean that he's a liar. And what we don't want, I know, people have told fibs and been economical with the truth. Just imagine, though, she's a fantasist and she's made it all up. In which case, would you not think, would you not think that he would be suing her for defamation of character? She's made allegations. If he is so confident that it's not true, why has he not issued lawyers to issue her with a writ saying, if you repeat these allegations, we're going to sue you? And that's the straightforward dilemma that we are faced with in this country. She's demanded that he face charges. Buckingham Palace have denied everything. It is not true. Now, are they going with what Randy Andy has told them? Or, you know, has he sat down and said, listen, it absolutely, definitely did not happen. Not with this girl. Maybe with some other girl. I don't know. But I know that this story is not going away. And I know that the... Uh, the bloodhounds are baying. They're looking for blood on this one because they've looked for years to have a go at Andy because of his arrogance, because of the fact that he sort of he treats journalists with some sort of contempt. He was always the playboy. He was always he was always the good looking one in the family. It was never going to be Prince Edward or Charles, was it? But there again, Andy had nothing to really you know look forward to. He was never going to be king unless sort of something wiped them all out. That was never going to happen at all. So he he did the playboy lifestyle, a bit like Prince Harry. Never going to be king. So he goes off and he gets drunk and he uh, picks up the girl, a bit of a fling in Vegas, you know, does all these, you know, and then meets this model on a, on a super yacht in Dubai or wherever it happens to be. And you think that's him doing exactly the same as Prince Andrew. But be warned, it comes back. And in the case of Prince Andrew, it comes back some years later. But being arrogant and having the, uh, having the fortitude to turn around and go, it's not true. I'm looking for a little bit more than that. A little bit more. I don't know what more I'm looking for. I still want the answer to that very straightforward question. Where do you know this girl from? That's, I mean, that's not difficult, is it? He said it's not true. Who is she then? Who is she? Was she introduced by a friend? Is she a friend of Ghislaine Maxwell's? Come on. Come on, it's not difficult. They're going to keep pushing you. They're going to keep pushing. Will he go to this, uh, this Davos uh, conference? Will he say something? Who knows? 
The trouble is, though, if she's got evidence, if she's got something... She's looking for video film at the moment. Apparently, the FBI took away some videotapes from this island owned by this billionaire, which uh, purport to show people. She says she knew him as Royal, but just knew him as Andy. She just knew he was a member of the Royal family. Now, either it's a fantastic story to make up, or it's not. And if it's not, why is he denying it? Answers will be heard soon in the National Papers. Wish you were here. The Corrie Stars Awards tribute. We knew it would be there. And so they all turned up. Everybody. Uh, Kim Marsh did her crying bit again, but she cries all the time, as she knows, because she's told us in the papers. Uh, Bill does his speech. It was fantastic. And I'm sure, I bet even Jonathan Shallot was at those uh, National Television Awards. Well, in fact, I say that because I know that Jonathan Shallot was there because he told me two days ago that he was going. And uh, guess who one of his clients is? I have to hold my hand up on this one. Judge Rinder. I mean, I know. Please. I know he gets them work, and I know he's got the most successful stable of stars that there is in living memory. And in fact, I'll, I'll run through the, uh, the uh, email that he sent me the other day in a moment, because it's really good. It's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to five. It's, I forgot to tell you at the beginning of the programme, but I knew you'd know. It's Thursday, the 22nd of January. Which means, uh, for Danielle Westbrook, it gets ever closer paying your tax. Just thought I'd mention it. And uh, for the rest of us, we get paid tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> well, from midnight tonight. Yeah. Very excited about that. Uh, in 1990, Steve, Colin and I had similar symptoms. We were both having tests. Um, he was one of the first people I told when I got my diagnosis, MS. He was upset for me and apologised when he told me he'd be praying he had... Uh, didn't have anything except that his diagnosis came two weeks later. Colin had MND. Watching him deteriorate and pass away was very hard. So I don't think I'll be able to listen to your friend's partner's diary. Thoughts and prayers and wishes. They're being actually really strong. You know, really, really strong. Now, whether or not that's a front... Uh, Joe's always been very, very pragmatic. Very much, you know, somebody... And I said, are you, are you coping? He said, yes. Yes. Now, whether or not it's different... You know, whether or not he's had anything like that happen, I don't know. This is the uh, Gordon's Diary, which is going to be with Ian Dale. Uh, he's dying at the age of 29. He's got motor neurons disease. It's not pleasant. It's not pleasant for anybody. Least of all the people around who have to... It's OK. I mean, well, I say it's OK. I mean, how stupid does that sound? It's OK for the person who dies because then they all the pain is gone. All the pain and all the worry and everything else. It's the people who are left... They're the ones who have to suffer. They're the ones who have to live with grief. The person who's died doesn't have the grief anymore. So people who are left down there, that's why I ask again. Are you sure there's a God? Are you sure he's up there? Is he... Uh, hello? Are you watching us? There's people dying, you know. I mean, if there is a God, how in goodness name, you know, you explain away murdering IS members, psychopathic killers. You know, why has there not been a thunderbolt come down and destroyed them completely? Boko Haran. You know, these dreadful people who go in and massacre hundreds and thousands at a time. Men, women, children, hacked to pieces. Where's God? You have to ask the question, don't you? Are you sure he's there? You know, people who die too young, children who die. And they and the sort of, you know, well-meaning Christians will say, it's a test. Test? I don't want to be bloody tested, thank you very much indeed. And all a test is, that's so how you fill it in and they give you a mark at the end of it. Don't want to be tested. I think we've been tested long. Testing is we do it once, OK? Now you know how it feels. 
You know, losing a child is terrible. Losing an elderly person, I always say the same thing. I go, how old were they? And they go, they were 97. I go, they had a good innings. What else could you say apart from they've had a, I mean, at 97, you've had a good innings. Admittedly, you're not having sex like rabbits anymore, you know, but at least you're thinking about it. Stop it. Just don't go there. Uh, 84850, Steve, at uk, And uh, another one here. Uh, uh, Graham says, he says, talking about your friend's partner's death like it means nothing. It doesn't. It's life and death. Grow up, you silly little girl. Goodness sake, honestly. I do hate people who are a bit stupid. We always find one every morning, and I think we found one today. So there he is. It doesn't mean anything. Life is very short like that. Like that. Gone. Gone. Taken away, because there's no God. Simple as that. You can prove there is. For goodness sake, tell me, because I'd love to know about it. Uh, 84850. Phil says, if Katie Price went hot air ballooning with all her former husbands, would she be putting all her exes in one basket? Do you think there's enough room for the egos in that? Did you see the other day in the paper the pictures of poor Peter Andre, who can't get arrested at the moment? He's 41. He's, 40. He's old. He's looking old. And he always wears, he wears the most peculiar clothes. His wardrobe is like, you know, for somebody who's an awful lot younger. <laughs> Certainly not somebody of 41. That's a fact. Uh, another one here. Uh, says, uh, uh, Nicky, says, I've just had a, a look at pre-ordering your book. There's no image yet. Well, I've seen the image. It's very good. The image is very good on the front cover. They don't have it on Amazon yet, do they? Have you tried refreshing? Has that come up there yet? Very good. Very good. Uh, Steve, my granddad sadly died of motor neurons. We had no idea what it was and how fast it took him. Gordon's very brave in highlighting the horrible disease and making people aware. Absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, it goes fast. It goes fast. Uh, Les says, my arthritis in my knee is killing me at this moment. Didn't they say that every day I read something out about there'll be a cure for this and this helps and that that helps as well? Uh, Keith says, why don't you have the same driver every day? I've got no idea. I used to years ago. Now we get different ones. One this morning. As I say, I've never been that late to work. I don't like turning up late at all. Malcolm watched the TV awards, but had to switch off when Celebrity Juice won one for best show in its category. Oh, that'll be fiddled, won't it? How on earth can he win anything? Rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Campo de Gino. Holly Willabooby. Uh, some poor creature with a voice like a foghorn. Looking at the clothes in the paper today, though, you have to laugh at what, what people are wearing. We'll come around to that a little bit later on. And the fact that, uh, that the Corrie, the, the Corrie people, t- not the Corrie people, the, uh, uh, the Towie people turned up. I don't know why. They weren't nominated and they've got no idea what to wear. Seriously. I mean, I think they think it's Hollywood, but they're so delusional. You know, they sort of turn up and they're all tall air. And that's just Chloe Sims. However, over in Argos... Argus, as we call it. It's lovely. I like Argus. Yes, they branded racist uh, because they were selling white dolls for £10 more than the black and Asian ones. <coughs> so, a shocked mum has hit out after finding white Maria was £35, whilst Yang and black Namia were £25, despite being the same except for skin colour. Lisa O'Reilly, a white mum of three, said it's unacceptable for children to think white is better or more desirable. It's wrong for our youngsters to grow up thinking non-white skin colours are worth less. Or failing that, as I prefer to see it, you're paying more to be white. I didn't see it as paying less to be, uh, to be sort of different colours. Argos blamed a genuine online pricing error. All three dolls are 24 99 They made a mistake with the white Maria doll. Because I saw that as being insulting to white people. I didn't see that as insulting to uh, to Oriental or black people at all. I just thought it was much more of a bargain. 
Apparently, the early learning centre removed pigs from a farm for fear of upsetting Muslim or Jewish mums. Later reinstated. Oh, for God's sake, grow up, for God's sake. It's really bad. Imagine the early learning centre. Small wonder the one in Richmond closed. Best thing that could have happened to it. So here's this poor old soul. His name's Sidney Dole. Well, it was. Sidney Dole was a great-granddad, and he reached the ripe old age of 100, and the family gathered to sing him happy birthday. Sidney Dole's loved ones joined him for lunch on his big day, but before they could settle down for the meal at the care home, they realised he was unwell. They raced to his bedside. His son said, we got there at 10am, and he died after midday. The last thing that goes when they're dying is hearing, so we all actually sang happy birthday. That's what I said to you before. Last thing that goes is your hearing. How they know that, I don't know. I don't know, but they do. And they always say, that's why you must talk to people. Uh, you know, if somebody is, is passing away, you talk to them because that's that's the best time. You can say it all and uh, and it's just, it's a nice thing to do, isn't it? Nice thing to do, to talk to somebody and tell them how much you're going to miss them and how you're going to try and cope, but it's not going to be easy. Uh, 84850, oh, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here. Says, uh, so good you hear no God live on radio. Well, put it this way, no, I didn't say there was no God. I didn't say there was no God. What I said was, I question whether there is a God. Because if there is, why is he not doing something about people who murder children? Why is he not doing something about disease? We are in the year 2014. He is listening. I watched a television programme the other day. It was one of these crackpot, you know, loony tunes where it's all stand-up, fall-down people, and it's in America. And, uh, you know, oh, God is coming into your life and doing all this kind of stuff. It's a programme designed to part you from your money. It's called Paying to be Christian, which, as far as I'm concerned, it's free to be a Christian. Free to be anybody you like, unless it's a Mormon, isn't it? Isn't that the Church of Latter-day Saints where you pay, I think, to be part of it? Why you'd want to, I've got no idea. God used to throw those people out of the churches and the... And uh, all the places of worship, the money lenders, people like that. And that's how I see it. I see it in exactly the same way. But they had somebody there saying, we should prepare for God's return to earth. I thought, oh, grow up, for God's sake. It was like somebody the other day, this woman who won some money, because her dead husband had, she'd been to a psychic, or as I prefer to call them, a fraud. And, uh, and the fraud had said to her, oh, your husband says he's coming up with ways of helping you get some money because he didn't leave you much. And then she gets money on the lottery. And so I said yesterday on the programme, you don't really believe that a husband contacted the lottery. He's dead, of course. And, uh, and actually, you know, arranged for her to win some money. No. It's just pure coincidence. Pure coincidence. Uh, 84850, oh, stephen I've lost the will to live when Danny Dyer won an award for his acting, said me. I haven't actually looked through all the, all the winners and losers, so I've got no idea. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Another one here. And uh, this is uh, Bob, who says, I used to smoke Capstan Full Strength, but I packed up at the same time as you and Mandy on the overnight show. Capstan Full Strength, good God in heaven. Your lungs must be like, you know, you must scrape the tar off and do roads. Absolutely unbelievable. Oh, look, a picture of Lewis Hamilton wearing a pair of... Fake glasses, by the look of it. They don't look they don't look real at all. They appear to be made of car tyres. They look absolutely ludicrous. He looks a lot more like Gok Wan than anything else. And uh, I'm assuming they're sort of going to give him an award now for sort of glass wearer of the year. That's generally what happens, isn't it? They sort of go, ah, we're going to make you glass wearer of the year. And you look at them and you think, I'm not even sure they're absolutely genuine at all, really. Uh, Catherine says, in Qatar, 
It's chilly 13 degrees this morning. You inspire my dinner ideas on a basis, a daily basis. Chilli con carne for dinner tonight. I love it when you talk about food. It's the one thing that's guaranteed to make us laugh in the morning. Chilli con carne. I'll tell you what's even nice with chip, but I didn't have it. Crusty French bread with butter on it. That's quite nice. Chilli con... Ooh. Could eat it now, actually. Could eat... They had a thing the other day. They sent something out from the office. It was a, an email. Did you get it as well? And they said that we'd been sent in fish and chips... And they said fish and chips was in the office. I nearly got in the car and drove back to the studio to get fish and chips. But I didn't. I had the presence of mind to stay in. But I tell you what they do in Iceland. For about a pound, they do, I think it's ten Young's Chip Shop Batter Fish Fingers. Yum, a yum, a yum. You could eat a whole box. Seriously, a whole box could be, ed- could be eaten. It's lovely. Uh, in a moment, I'll tell you um, what I got from Jonathan Shallot the other day. Jonathan Shallot has got a company called Raw as you know, and he looks after a huge stable of stars. 99.9% of them appear to be working. Except one. We'll tell you about that one in a moment. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, a very nice to have company. It's 12 minutes to five. It's Thursday, the 22nd of January, and uh, there are pictures in the paper of snow, which they say cover the country. Um, when I woke up this morning, the first thing I do is look out the window to see if the roads are covered in that white fluffy stuff that we laughingly think is really lovely until we drive in it and suddenly realise that most of us aren't very well placed to drive in snow at all because we've got no idea. No idea. And then I was reminded having discussed God this morning, because as somebody says, from a religious perspective, Steve, death is great for everybody since they're now in a better place. Oh, they always sell it like that. Absolutely. I don't think I've been to a funeral in the past 20 years. I think the last one I went to uh, was the uh, the priest described dying as a picture. He said, looking at it from the back, he said, and then you go through, and the picture is so much clearer the other side. He said, that's what dying is. He said, the person who's left on the earth is just... That's just the carcass. The actual soul has gone somewhere else. And if people choose to believe that, that's great. So from a religious perspective, most people believe that when you die, you're in a much better place. Got to be, isn't it, really? Why would you want to suffer with pain or anything else like that? But it's very interesting, you know, that uh, having had that little boy in America, as I prefer to call him, that liar in America, the one who claimed that he died and went to heaven and then wrote a book about it and they made a film about it. And I said at the time, load of old cobblers, isn't it? And it turned out to be absolutely a load of old cobblers. He admitted later he was lying. And his parents are supposed to be religious. Nothing worse than people who lie. You know, the woman who wrote all that ghastly stuff about the McCanns. A religious person. A liar. The woman who threw the cat in the bin, which could have died. A religious person. Something the matter with religious people. It doesn't work all the time, does it? It really doesn't. It's a shame. Uh, Another one here. Somebody says, why don't you tell people the Bible's just a book that was written years and years ago? Yes, I mean, it was. It was, And it was changed. Every time there was another translation, they changed bits of it. It was a book to make people fear, because if you remember at one time, you know, let's face it, if you're a Roman Catholic, my God, they can put the fear of God into you quite easily. You know, the Roman Catholic Church, don't do as I do, do as I say. You know, they've had so many, so many paedophile priests within the Roman Catholic Church, they used to shunt them around the world. They didn't know what to do with them. Finally, the Pope comes out and admits that they've had a problem. What was it last year? Was it something like 4,000 priests were defrocked for being paedophiles within the church? Is that where, is that where paedophiles go now? They, they sort of go into the church. I remember one, they did a documentary on him, and he was, uh, he was abusing girls in one place. They moved him elsewhere, and he carried on abusing they kind of sort of tucked their head into the sands. They didn't... And yet, you know, years ago, people feared the church. The church was more powerful than the government of the day. 
It's, uh, it's, it's a shame, really, isn't it, that so many people's lives are just governed by, you know, what they read in the Bible. You see them on the television, these people who sit there and you think, I don't think you're very nice. I don't think you're very nice at all. I think you want to come into the real world. Uh, 84850, uh, David says, I lived in Virginia Water for three years, now back in San Francisco. And he said, you've just said the word oriental. Nobody says that anymore. Uh, they do in Argos. I'm sorry to say. Do you have Argos in America? Or Argus, as we call it? Yes, they have an oriental doll. And uh, I can't remember what her name is now. Wait a minute, I shall find it again. I, I, lose, I lose track of these things. It's, uh, it's, an, it's an interesting story. Yeah, Yang, the oriental doll. Here she is. People say oriental. It's like, you know, he says nobody says coloured anymore. No, I mean, cu- I'm, I'm assuming I'm coloured. I must be. I'm this sort of. I'm laughingly called white, but to be honest with you, looking at it this morning, it's a rather sort of. It's a rather sort of off pink. I think. I don't think I've. I've ever been white at all in my life, which I quite like the idea. Eight four eight five zero Stephen LBC I didn't see Big Brother yesterday. I didn't see it. I did see Cammy Lee. God, she's low rent. Oh dear me, it's so embarrassing, isn't it? You must. Her parents must sit there peering through their fingers, going, "Oh dear God, that's our daughter." The scrubber, you know, trying to teach Patsy Kensit something. And I thought, Patsy Kensit's been round the world four times, love. She can teach you loads of things. Don't ever believe the innocence that is Patsy Kensit. Anyway, so Jonathan Shallot writes to me a couple of days ago. I'm terribly sorry it's only taken this amount of time. Every time I got round to doing it, I then got sidetracked and went on to something else. And, uh, oh, that's interesting. Wait a minute, where's that come from? Um, he says, good morning, Steve. Professor Jonathan Shallot, OBE. He said, I've just finished on my cross trainer. We worked out the other day that a cross trainer was somebody that you employ from the local health club and they shout at you a lot. He says, listening to you speaking about cheap products um, from books that are the miracle cure or boots. He says, reminds me of my motto when offered amazing financial opportunities that sound too good to be true. I always ask the question, is it too good to be true? When the salesman says yes, I say, well, it's too good to be true. I put the phone down. He says, you'll be pleased to know the raw global stable of clients is as strong as ever. Even when your listeners are finished listening to your show, they can watch Kate Garraway on Good Morning Britain or listen to her on your sister station. <laughs> yes. They can then watch Lorraine, followed by Jeremy Kyle, followed by Jamelia, followed by Judge Rinder, then our clients in Emmerdale, Coronation Street or EastEnders, and then finally the Kyle Files. The only show missing on TV is Steve Allen live on ITV. Tonight, he says, I will be dining with one of your favourites, Mylene Klaas. And then attending the National Television Awards. Today is freezing. I'm just putting on my hat. Actually, I walked out the building this morning, uh, out the flat this morning, and I had to go back inside again because I forgot to put the hat on. So uh, eventually put the hat back on again and felt felt much better about life. So I'm sure that Professor Shallot is up this morning and looking after his uh, clients. Uh, and doing very well. So, morning, Jonathan. It's nice to have your company. I've got all sorts of people listening. Literally, over the last few days, I bump into people. I'll tell you what I bumped into recently. A lot of people who've become new parents. You know, there's been a lot of children born recently. A lot. In fact, our very own Tom Swarbrick, who's got a show on Sunday on LBC, as you know, because you hear him on The Breakfast Show, but he's got his own show on Sunday. And uh, he said, I've been listening a lot to the programme because they've been getting up doing early morning feeds and it's, it's very tiring, <laughs> very tiring. You end up with big bags or suitcases under your eyes and, uh, and you think to yourself, no, it's definitely too tiring. What if I can do that with that on there? Can I? No. Oh, oh I can't. Wait a minute. Do you want to close down the VMix Plus programme? I do. Okay, right. Yes. 
Well, do- oh, I've done, I done it. Do you know, every day I learn something new. Every day, at my age, 39 plus that, every day I do something on the computer and every day I get a bit, a bit more excited about it. Mort's murderer Ian Brady in the papers today claiming his health is worsening. Good. Good. I'm delighted to hear it. I hope you die in agony. He sent a letter to Five News from his bed in Ashworth Hospital. He said he's bedridden. Good. Good. And getting worse after breaking his arm and hip last year. Good. Good. I'm delighted to hear it. I hope you're really screaming in agony. He still expressed no remorse for killing five children and burying bodies on Saddleworth Moor. He condemned bosses at the psychiatric unit. He said, I've been sitting here for 30 years and there's no turnaround of inmates unless in a coffin. Good. Good. I'd be glad to see it when it comes out. To be honest with you, I wouldn't even waste time on a coffin for you. Terry Kilbride, whose brother John was killed in 1963 at the age of 12, says, it's just another ploy to get people to think, do we feel sorry for him? No, never feel sorry for Ian Brady. No, no, no. When Myra Hindley died, there was much rejoicing and dancing and happiness. People spat on her grave. And Ian Brady, you know, if you'd been in court and heard the uh, the plaintive cries of a child pleading for his life, you'd have you'd be going round there yourself, throwing darts through the window, I think, to try and uh, to try and get Ian Brady. Uh, Josie Cunningham, go away, you silly little girl. Honestly, there's nothing to you. You're just a stupid attention seeker. I'd be glad if we just picked you up and dropped you into the middle of the ocean and left you there. Uh, she says here. She insists she's one of the brightest people in Britain. You're an ugly. Go away. I'm bored with you. I think you're so tedious. I get so angry. Why are the Sun doing a story on her? She's of no interest to anybody at all. If the, if the papers didn't give these people coverage, we wouldn't have to talk about her. She says here, my biggest fear is that my kids will be bullied. Well, that'll be, uh, that'll be your doing then, won't it? That'll be your doing. This is the... Oh, I can't even bother to go down the route. She features in my book, so you want to be a celebrity. Because sadly, you know, she was... This is a woman who was was claiming she'd have an abortion to get on Big Brother. I was quite glad that she never, ever got on Big Brother. I'm also eternally grateful they didn't bother with Daniela Westbrook either. You know, I couldn't care less that she's got no money. That's not my, my problem. You know, if I sort of come on air and say, oh, it's terrible, I've got no money, that's my business. My business. Uh, here we are, the number one fish and chip shop. And I think this was done uh, the other day. This is Frankie's Fish and Chip Shop. And the reason, it's on the remote settlement of Bray in the Shetland Isles. You know the reason it's been nominated, don't you? I mean, you can work this out for yourself. The reason it's, it's the favourite fish and chip shop is because at the time you find this blooming place, you're so hungry, you'll eat anything. You'll eat a table. As they go, it's Britain's best fish and chip shop. Who's going to trek up there and find out? Nobody. Nobody. It's only for three crofters and six sheep. And the sheep are on benefits, so they're queuing up to get their fish and chips. Ridiculous. So they've got the family up there, and it's very lovely, you know, and they get the fish because they're on the coast, and chips are just potatoes fried, okay? But it's so far away, so they could confidently do it. So they've now nominated another one here uh, in Bridlington. This one here, five stars. 200 reviews on TripAdvisor. I thought TripAdvisor was easy to fiddle, isn't it? Can't anybody post on there? Can't the actual people post themselves? Best kebab, Oxford. But, I mean, Oxford is just full of hooray Henrys and students. OK, what are we going to have tonight? You want Chinese? OK, let's have a kebab. OK, we're all having kebabs. Uh, the best fried chicken is apparently on TripAdvisor again in Stockport in Greater Manchester. Stockport? I've been to Stockport. It was closed. Best pizza is in Streatham. Voted top by 100... Only 121 people voted for it. The best Chinese is in Aylesbury in Buckinghamshire. It's called the Double Eight. 
It got 24 reviews. Somebody said it's always excellent. It's a Chinese takeaway. Grow up. The best curry is in Bristol. Apparently, as well as raving about the restaurant and takeaways Lambuna. The takeaways Lambuna. Honestly, once you've had one Lambuna, they're all the Buna same, aren't they? Uh, they say the food is all delightfully different and beautifully cooked. What's opposed to raw? My God, they're dumb, these people, aren't they? And the best burger is in Lyme Regis. Somebody praised it as faultless. Perhaps these are people who haven't eaten out before. You know, I don't know how many here. Others love the great selection, the amazing sauces, and the fact that nothing was too much trouble. Oh, God. You know, I mean, I, I do like the idea. The best fish and chip shop in Bray and the, on the Shetland Isles. I mean, for God's sake, I mean, how far away does it does it have to be? It's LBC, it's Steve Allen. I'm with you all the way through until 6.30 this morning. Prince Andrew hit with more allegations. She's determined to try and get him into court or get something. Buckingham Palace issue another denial. Heavy snow and ice has sparked travel chaos. Pictures on the paper of cars skidding off the roads. It's terrible. How many ingredients in McDonald's fries? You would have thought, wouldn't you, if you'd just woken up just chips, salt and oil. 18 ingredients. Well, 19 if you include the potato. Uh, the 86-year-old woman who spent the last seven years living on a cruise ship. She loves it. She loves it. The woman who threw water over somebody has been found guilty of assault. An unholy row as a vicar has been sacked for pocketing money from funerals. He's a crooked vicar. 60 grand. Oh, and the experts revealed the riskiest sex position. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Thursday, the 22nd of January. The family's fury at the Iraq war cover-up disgrace. Prince Andrew hit with yet more allegations. It's not going away. We love you, Anne. The National Television Awards tribute to Anne Kirkbride. Heavy snow and ice has sparked travel chaos with flights cancelled and people not really wanting to travel out. The 86-year-old woman who swears by cruise ships. In fact, she spent the last seven years living on a cruise ship. Plain packaging for cigarettes. The art of being ill. The fox of Folkestone jailed over a fraud. And the unholy row as the vicar is sacked for a £60,000 con. Plus, we reveal the riskiest sex positions. And David Cameron likes chicken. In fact, he likes Nando's chicken. He said over and above everything else, he likes Nando's. Proving he must be a man of the people. Uh, uh, Josie Cunningham. I think I've decided, actually, I'm not going to mention Josie Cunningham again. Uh, the couple who lied over the pigsty home are in the paper today. This is quite interesting. We've seen this before. People who uh, decide to flout the laws. And what they do is they sort of, they put, uh, they put a, a property up and then they, they've been telling porky pies. And in the case of David Younger and his wife Elizabeth, who live in Chedgrave, uh, which is up in Norfolk, what they did, they built a home... Uh, it's a pigsty. They turned it into a three-bedroom bungalow. And the planners have gone, <laughs> pull it down. Pull it down now. They put in a kitchen, a bathroom and a living room. 3,293 square feet. That's, you know, that's a fair size. A letterbox and TV dish were the only clues it was their home for three years. Anyway, the public inquiry refused permission. The younger said, we adore it here. They planned to sell the gutted shell for £20,000. But, you know, but they, they cheated. You know, it's it's not it's a simple matter of, you know, we can't have two different laws, can you? Either we're all going to abide by the planning regulations, and not everybody does. 
you know, or failing that, you know, you're going to, uh, you're going to flout, flout the law or you're going to go down the route. I know sometimes planners can be a real pain, but that's what they're there for. They're there to try and make it look right. I don't think they're right all the time. I think sometimes they just waste people's times, you know, because they've got that power. They become like little Hitlers, don't they? You can't do that. You're not doing that. Do this. Don't want to do that. Oh, well, the next door neighbour's got away with it. Ah, well, that was different. Fears are growing over celebrity Big Brother star Kavanagh's boozing. I would think actually fears are growing for Kavanagh. The biggest waste of space. I mean, surely they must have realised that he was heading for breakdown when they saw him on the Grand Reunion or whatever it was, where they reassembled a lot of naff bands that you didn't like years ago, and they put them back together again, and Kavanagh turned up, then he didn't turn up, then he wandered off, and then... I mean, it's just really embarrassing. Fellow contestant Keith Chegwin, a recovering alcoholic, last night voiced concern over his drinking, sparking a foul-mouthed rant from Kavanagh. I mean, Kavanagh, you know, what did he do a short while ago? He's had one hit single... And then he came out as gay and we all went, no kidding. Big surprise there. But uh, the issue was binge drinking. And uh, he said, I was in a certain mindset. I don't want to speak too soon and say I won't drink. I'm not a nasty drunk. If I do decide to have a few drinks, it'll surely be just good fun. I think the Big Brother house drives you to drink. It would have to be. I'd have to start drinking. We had a discussion yesterday in the office. Here's an interesting one. An interesting one. (coughs) Excuse me. We asked... um, Nick Ferrari, if he would go in the Big Brother house. And he said he'd go in if I went in the Big Brother house. And then we both agreed that if you're on the radio and you do a certain kind of show, you can't go in the Big Brother house. You just... I mean, you couldn't go in the Big Brother house, you know, and sort of dress up as a chicken or do all those silly things that George Galloway did and then come out and have any credibility. You can't do that. You'd rather stay outside. And he did... He said to me... Because he, he told... Somebody told me yesterday. Who was it who told me? I can't remember. We were talking about fees... In the Big Brother house. Colleen Nolan, how much do you reckon she got for the Big Brother house? 400k. 400k. Now, by the time you've taken off the tax and you've taken off the agent's fee and all the other little bits and pieces that come off, she's still going to be left with about 200k. But there again, she didn't have anything anyway. So that's why people go into the house. Somebody like um, Callum Best would probably be on about 50,000. So it's probably feasible that Katie Price might get 500,000. But unfortunately, she's not delivering She's not delivering in the Big Brother house. There's nothing edgy or interesting. She just talks about boring things, which is probably why men give up on her quite quickly. And that's when she turns nasty, because she suddenly realised that when it comes to personality, the pricey has none. There is no personality. She's so boring. She can talk about fake tan. Well, I mean, good God in heaven, that went out donkeys years ago. Donkeys years ago. I mean, she's devastated she hasn't clashed with Katie Hopkins. Um, And she's just boring. I mean, the moment I saw her being nice to everybody and talking about, oh, I could give you fake tan and we could do this and do that, and I'm thinking, small wonder the men you go out with ditch you because she's lost her edge. It's, it's, it's her mojo's got up and gone. Nobody's interested. Cammy Lee, I mean, you know, a scandal, really. She's sort of trying to develop some sort of relationship with Callum Best, but there again, she looks like she'd latch on to just about anybody. Kavanagh. Uh, He's going to have a meltdown any time soon, which is quite funny, actually, for us. Because, but they know about these things. We watched it with poor old Vanessa Foltz. You know, she had a, Would Vanessa like to come to the diary? No, I won't. She snapped in that nasty fat bird kind of voice. And so she didn't. And then she started writing things on a chalkboard. I mean, she lost it completely. But there again, I mean, I don't think she ever had it. Keith Chegwin, 
little bit self-righteous about boozing, but uh, I thought he'd be more fun. I seriously did. I thought he'd be, you know, well, Cheggers, you know, Cheggers plays pop, do 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 and did all that kind of stuff. But he's actually been very dull. Alicia Duval is just thick. I don't think there's any other word that can possibly describe this woman apart from thick. I mean, she's so dumb. She makes, you know, a, a snail seem intelligent. Uh, Callum Best. Boring. What's he wearing on his head? Is that his hair or is that, has that been grown in a laboratory? Uh, Perez Hilton. I quite like him. If he winds everybody else up, I like him. I, I go for things like that. Nadia Sawala. Um, they need to get her out as quick as possible. You wait till I see her next time. You wait. Patsy Kensit. Quite clearly her medication isn't working. I mean, she's just losing the plot, isn't she? She has been around the world quite a few times. Michelle Visage, I don't know anything about. I just know she's dreadfully unattractive. Katie Hopkins, starting to get a bit stressed. But I think that some of the others have been deliberately told to wind her up. And so she's trying to do her best to do acting. But, of course, she's not very good at acting. Although, actually, when they turned up last night for the National Television Awards, here they are. This is where a lot of people who don't normally wear frocks put a frock on and they go out there and they look ridiculous. And so, you got them last night. Rochelle Humes, I mean, poor soul. You know, if somebody was attractive and they put them in a frock like this, you could understand it. But she's a bit butch. She looks a bit like a lorry driver. She's not... I'm sorry. You know, it's an opinion. I know it's probably not a popular thing to say. She's horsey, isn't she? Yeah, you're right. I mean, a whore thing. She's done a few of those low-rank game shows. She's proved she's a bit dim as well. Uh, Laura Whitmore. No idea who she is, but she seems to turn up to everything. Somebody says, call yourself a fashionista. Oh, is she this girl who turns up to just about ever? God, she's dull. She's a Chloe Sims. I'm sorry, sweet pea, what were you doing there? It's for people who are on television. Not for old has-beens like you. I mean, she looked ridiculous. Really. I mean, if you really want to look that dumb, love, I mean, you should have stayed in. Chris Jenner. I don't know who Chris Jenner is. I'm assuming she's an actress. Uh, Verity Rushworth, I think, is in Emmerdale. Casey Batchelor, what were you wearing, dear? What were you wearing? I mean, you know, where, where was the rest of your dress? You're not well known enough. I mean, this is really the turkeys, I'm afraid. Sammy Winwood, I think she's in Emmerdale now, but I think she's done loads of other things. It's sort of, it's, it's, it, oh, it's very bland. Sam Fears, A, what were you doing there, love? You're not even in the programme anymore. I mean... You know, if they'd wanted an old has-been, they could have put Joey Essex on the carpet. But uh, they were all there. So who actually won? Um, Lots of people. You know, Anton Deck picked up the best comedy gong for the third year running, which is good. So the winners at a glance. There you go, just to really depress yourself. Uh, Entertainment programme, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. That's how bad it's got. That's how bad it's got. Uh, Drama performance, Sheridan Smith. The Skills Challenge Show. What in God's name does that mean? The Great British Bake Off. Did you see yesterday, Mel and Sue was just Mel, even more appalling, with just her on it. Ghastly. Ghastly. Entertainment presenter, Anton Deck. Of course, we knew that. Newcomer, Maddie Hill. Somebody will have to explain to me who Maddie Hill is. I've got no idea. Uh, daytime programme this morning. Oh, that'll be nice. Did Christine Bleakley, how are you? Turn up with, uh, with Pip Schofield. Uh, the comedy programme, Mrs Brown's Boys, Brendan will be delighted. Serial drama performance, Danny Dyer. Really? <laughs> God. Multi-channel, Celebrity Juice. TV judge, David Walliams. What? <laughs> Chat show host went to Alan Carr. I was wrong on that one. Factual went to Gogglebox. 
Have you seen this bunch of old fraudsters on there? My God, I've never seen so many ugly, fake people in my entire life. Drama Downton Abbey, serial drama, EastEnders. Some of us are going to die. Da, 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 da. The talent show was the X Factor, but we all knew it was going to be Anton Deck. But it's so funny to see them all turning up. What was Rochelle Humes doing there? Perhaps she was, oh, stupid me. She was quite clearly waiting tables, wasn't she? That drinks, can, can, can apes, like some can apes with that? <laughs> I love the outfits. Where do they get them from? It's no good putting somebody in an outfit that they just look ridiculous in. You know, she looks as though she'd be happier in a tracksuit bottom. Pink, I should imagine. A bit like sending Katie Price in. But when you look at what poor Casey Batchelor's wearing, you can only sympathise with the fact that the girl has got no idea about fashion. And Laura Whitmore, God in heaven, I mean, really. I think, you know, go back, back to the shop, dear. Back to the shop and say to them, can I have my money back on this ridiculous outfit you sold me? Quarter past five. At nine o'clock, Deputy Prime Minister Nick Clegg will be here to take your calls. Call Clegg with Nick Ferrari at breakfast. And it's here only on LBC. Certainly is. And it's today, being Thursday, 22nd of January. Call Clegg returns. You can pose your questions to the Deputy Prime Minister, Nick Clegg, after nine. And it'll be three general elections that will have passed since the 2003 Iraq War before we get the official verdict into the American-led invasion, supported so strongly by Tony Blair. So Nick will be wondering, should Sir John Chilcott be compelled to give evidence to MPs before May's general election? And a young lady combats revenge porn in a unique way. Yes, I was going to tell you about that story as well. The freelance journalist instrumental in breaking the Savile abuse story, Miles Gosley, is the paper reviewer. Nick Ferrari and team at seven this morning. That's just after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. I just realised there was a, there was a few Towie people at the awards. They shouldn't have been there because Towie wasn't nominated for anything because mainly because there's nothing to nominate. You know, they're mainly too old now at the age of 22. They're all past it. Even little Lucy Mecklenburg turned up in a a really ridiculous-looking outfit. I mean, honestly, these people must stand in front of the mirror. And because they're not adult enough to carry off these things... I mean, when you look at Sam Fahir's, you just feel immensely sorry for her. I mean, perhaps her sense of fashion's gone out the window, or perhaps, as we've all probably guessed, haven't we, she never actually had any any sense of fashion. Uh, 84850 Steve at lbc.co.uk. Anne sent me a, a text and says, Sorry to hear about Gordon. This is uh, Gordon's diary, which is going to be with Ian Dale. He's 29 and he's got motor neurons disease. She says, uh, I lost my husband to MND almost two years ago, 15 months after diagnosis. That's what they say, Anne, isn't it? I think they say from diagnosis to, uh, to the end is somewhere in the line of 14 months. She says it's a truly terrible disease and I can only be grateful that his suffering is over. That's what you hope for, isn't it? That's all you hope for. You hope at the end that, you know, their suffering is finished. They don't have it. Your suffering then starts. But, you know, we're always grateful at the end. If somebody's in pain and they're, they're not having a, a great time. My mum, when she was diagnosed with, uh, with cancer, secondary cancer, she'd already had it the first time round, and then they put her on morphine. She thought she was getting better. It gave her this false sense of hope. She had this idea. She bounced around. She thought, she, I'm truly getting better. And, of course, she wasn't at all. It was just, uh, that's what the drugs did to her. And then gradually she just deteriorated. And I think from diagnosis on secondary cancer, it was three months. Three months from start to finish. It was, uh, it was fast. Boy, was it fast. When you think, we can put a man on the moon, 
We could do all sorts of wonderful things, can't we? We can do, you know, transplants, we can change people's sex, and yet we can't cure motor neuron, we can't cure cancer. We can't, There's loads of things that we can't cure. You know, we should always, always put money into research. Always. Because at some point in your life, you might need... I hope you live long enough for them to find research. Especially for diabetes. But I think it's, I think it's fairly, fairly unlikely. Uh, Mike says, regarding Judge Rinder, I saw his trailer weeks ago and I thought... Mm, now I watch his programme every day. Take away his attempted humour. He's very fair and good. I know it's this, it's the, the humour that ruins him. And everybody said that to me. But he does cover all the details and his summary is very good. I know it's the fact that they're trying to make him into a personality. And he's quite clearly not. He's quite clearly not. You wait. <laughs> Jonathan Shallot sending me a text message in about half an hour. Uh, please go into the Big Brother house, says Helen. It would be hilarious. And... Um, you could do it with Katie and Peter. Or I can send you a copy of Mr Andre's book. It's from the charity shop where I volunteer. Yes, at least you'll never find a Steve Allen book in the charity shop. It's on Amazon. Pre-order it. It's called So You Want to Be a Celebrity. <laughs> uh, 84850, steve at uk, And uh, another one here. This is from uh, Paul, who says... Um, he says, I listen to you every morning. I never miss a show. Loving today, although I do want to start crying for some reason. Very emotional and funny today. I think whenever we talk about people who are, you know are going to die, that's when the reality hits home. That's when the reality hits home. I remember seeing it on the television. Pat, do you remember Patty Caldwell? She's not with us anymore. Patty Caldwell did a programme about a nanny that they had, a guy. And he was dying. And the programme followed him. And and he sort of went through, and he, he he was a nanny to various families around London. He was very well known, very well known. And so he said to Patty, he said, "Listen, he said, I want you to do me a favour." So she said, "Anything." He said, "At the cremation," he said, "When they do the last prayer, generally speaking, if you've never been to a cremation before, you go down for the last prayer, and the curtains close, or the coffin will sink." into the ground, and that's when it, it goes off. He said, can you do me a favour? When the curtains close, can you nip behind, put on a jewelled glove, put your hand through the curtain, and wave at the congregation? <laughs> and she said, yeah, I'll do that for you. She never did it, though. She never did it. She was so overcome at the funeral that she couldn't, she couldn't bring herself to do it. But, you know, you, that people always say at funerals, it's a celebration of somebody's life. In the case of Gordon... His life will be celebrated by lots and lots of people. But also, he can share his life with lots of people on LBC, on Ian Dale's programme. He could share it with people. So, you know, for other people going through something, there'll be people listening at the moment who maybe have a partner or a friend or a relative, you know, or the next-door neighbour or something like that, who's probably going through a similar thing and they don't get any coverage. They don't. Nobody talks about them. Nobody talks about these people's lives. And they're all worth something. Everybody. I don't care, well, apart from me and Brady and a few other people like that. Everybody's worth something. And so to celebrate somebody's life at the end and to get that coverage, he'll always be able to live with that. You know, whoever comes after Gordon will be able to say, that was him. That was it. It's like having photographs taken every day of your life. And then at the end of your life, somebody goes, look at that. Look at that fantastic. You know, everything I've ever done is sort of stored on tape and stuff like that all over the place it's like television people so when somebody passes on like Anne Kirkbride you can put together a compilation of their greatest bits you know so if I if I drop dead tomorrow god help you all but I won't well I'll, well, I'll try not to you could put together a, a, a compilation of Steve Allen over the years because you know might not be here but you can still hear somebody 
And so that's why, with Gordon's diary, I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be good. It's going to be tough. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be good, but it's going to be interesting. And it's going to be educational. Uh, the unholy row in the paper today over a vicar who's been, uh, who's been sacked over taking money for funerals. It's quite expensive to be buried nowadays. <laughs> They're always a bit funny about funerals in churches. They always say, um, you, you, you can't... Uh, if, if you've got a wedding beforehand, they say, you, you can't throw anything because we've got a funeral afterwards. And they might think that's a bit disrespectful. I don't know why. As if you're really going to be worrying about what's actually on the ground. Uh, the Moors murderer Ian Brady in all the papers today, claiming he's nearing the end of his life. As I say, I really could not care less at all. And the vile friend who's in some of the papers today, who Nick is going to be talking about, it's this... Um, it's sort of tweeting, but uh, something not very nice. Front page of the uh, Daily Mirror today, Andrew's slave girl vow, I will see Prince in court. We don't know at the moment whether or not he has immunity. I have no idea. Uh, but there are more allegations, and uh, it's, it's, it's not looking particularly good for him. All he's got to do is answer some questions. But, of course, once he... Um, he starts answering questions. He's got to be careful. He might say something at Davos. We don't know. They've said he might. And that we have to wait and find out. As I say, the only question we want to know is, do you know Virginia Roberts? Where did you meet her? Where was this picture taken? Do you know Ghislaine Maxwell's house next to the pub, the one with the red door? Do you know that house? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been to that house? You know, these questions have to be answered. And the reason they have to be answered is because he's a member of the royal family. I don't think they can bury their heads in the, in the sand over this one. I think they have to come clean. If he knows her, then he's got to say he knows her. He might deny the allegations. She might be a fantasist. I've got no idea. But I think he has to answer, do you know this girl? Where did you meet her? How do you know her? It's not, not difficult. Uh, Polly Hudson... Talking about uh, the musical based on the lives of the Nolans. I mentioned it to somebody the other day and they said, the Nolans? I said, yeah. They said, well, who in God's name is going to be buying a ticket for that? I thought they will be. The lawyers will be looking at it very carefully because it's based on Anne's book. Um, you know, <laughs> and it, it doesn't make pleasant reading all the way through. And again, another family who sort of, who sort of argued over everything. I mean, I'm not saying that people shouldn't argue if they're in families. I'm quite sure that there are some families who argue all the time. I think I've only ever had one argument with my brother. The rest of the time, I can't really be... Don't look out the window longingly. You can't get through that window. I know you can't. It's not possible. It's so sweet, isn't it? It's, you know what it looks like? We've got a window in the control room. <laughs> you know what it looks like, Will? It looks like the hatch for the takeaway drive through McDonald's. <laughs> Half expect a vehicle to pull up outside and somebody to say, uh, we ordered three, three Big Macs, two large fries. How many ingredients in the French fries? Come on again, you've remembered? 19 ingredients in McDonald's French fries. They did it on American television. I have to be honest, I thought it was just potatoes. Although I'm even surprised there were potatoes involved. Because I remember saying to myself years ago, they call them French fries. Does that, are they really potatoes? And of course they have to be made. So I think it's like squidgied, squidgied fries. I think, well, that's what I thought it was. And then, <coughs> then they put colouring in. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry, so excited about the whole thing. 19 ingredients, if that's how many ingredients there are in there, how many ingredients in their sausage and egg McMuffin? In total, do they have to sort of put stuff in there to uh, to sort of to make sure that they last longer when they're frozen? I mean, I don't know. I was horrified at 19 ingredients. I think it's quite funny, actually. Do you think it's funny? 19 ingredients. You'd never guess it, would you? 
84850steve8lbc.co.uk. We shall weave everything in. And Kevin the Milkman says, wait a minute, everything you've ever done is on tape, Steve. Surely you mean wax cylinder. Oh, very bitter and very droll. Another one, Johnny says, I'm listening to you online from High Tatra Mountains in Slovakia. Oh, lovely. That sounds quite nice. Slovakia is a good place for us to buy. Cheap property. Nobody there. You know, they're all over here. So you could be you could be by yourself. But it's very pretty up in the lakes in Slovakia. It looks really beautiful. Really, really lovely. But I don't know what the Slovakian food is. Is it a bit Austrian? It could be a bit Austrian. Because I think the, Austri- the Austrian food is dull. God, blimey, I tell you. Don't ever go to Austria and think you're going to eat properly. It's really boring. They have a lot of knurdles and a lot of strange things. But they used to make... In the place I was working, ham and eggs. And they did it quite easily. What they did, they put some ham in a frying pan, cracked some eggs over the top, and then put a plate on top of it, and it all cooked. And then they took the plate off, which heated it, turned the thing out, and it came out like an omelette. It was quite delicious. I've done it a few times at home. Look at me blankly, aren't you? Fried bread this morning. Fried bread with bacon, sausages. Tin tomato is very good for you, especially nice on fried bread. It's 530 Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Thursday. It's called Clegg Day. Love it when it's called Clegg Day. I love it. It's really so exciting. Uh, David says, not keen on the Melon Sue show. Bit strained and stilted. They're just not funny. There's nothing worse than two people who are not funny together trying to be funny. It really, it's absolutely ghastly. I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming they pay threepence for it. So they've, they've got to sort of uh, run. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, another one here, we reeve everything in on the programme. Why? Because we're good like that. Uh, Brendan O'Carroll was so delighted to win, says Christine. I know, I was, listen, I always think it's nice when people win something. I think that, that's all, that's, that's really, that's really quite, quite good. Uh, Christine says, why doesn't Prince Andrew come out and say, yes, he did know her, but not that she was 17, if that's the case. I mean, he's a single man. Yes, I'm not sure. Was he a single man when he met her? I don't know. We haven't had any answers to any questions. You know, he can keep coming out saying, you know, I did not do this or not do that. But how does he know her? There are pictures of them together. It's been in every paper. It's on the front page of the of the Daily Mail today. How does he know her? Why is he posing? You know, was she the daughter of a friend? In which case you could probably understand it. Who is she? To him. You know, and in the same picture, Ghislaine Maxwell. This is the woman who owns the £3.7 million Muse house with the red door at the back of the pub. I think the pub is the nag's head, I'm pretty certain. And, um, and the question there is, have you ever been in this house? Have you? Because we know that the CCTV at the back, we know the CCTV. So have you been there? I mean, if he hasn't, then come out and say you haven't. If they then produce evidence to the contrary, you're going to look a bit silly. So, best to kind of come... It's a bit like dealing with children, isn't it? Mums listening will appreciate this one. You know, you come into the kitchen and somebody's upset the bowl of cornflakes. Did you do that? No. Yes, you did. I didn't. Who did it? I didn't. Well, who did it then? Don't know. Well, it was you. No, it wasn't. And kids will stand there till the sky changes colour, denying emphatically that they ever did anything. And parents... That's why parents lose their temper. And in the case of Prince Andrew, he's always been arrogant. He doesn't answer to anybody. Absolutely nobody. And then you've got Sarah Ferguson, and you do wish at times 
but she would button it because sometimes, you know, she says something, you think, for goodness sake, stop it now. Stop it now. He's a marvellous person. He's humongous. She said, nobody questioned that. Not interested. He's a marvellous father. We're not interested. Don't care. You know, he might, he might knit, you know, woolly hats. I don't know. Might be wonderful at doing things like that. But, you know, unless you were there, don't comment on things you know nothing about. You know, to say all these things about him, has he discussed it with you? Has this been discussed? I don't know. Why don't they ask his daughters? I think they tried, didn't they? One of them had, had no, no comment at all. Uh, somebody was talking about breakfast and uh, saying, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a fried breakfast this morning. And, of course, I was delighted for anybody who can actually manage to force down a cooked breakfast. It does taste better if somebody else cooks it. It does taste better. I've got a lovely story of a woman who lives on cruise ships. And the reason she does is because she just likes it. She's obviously got a, got a bit of money. She's spending about £108,000 a year on these cruise ships, which is, uh, which is great. Uh, uh, James says, was Gemma Collins at the TV Awards taking coats? I don't think they've, they've given her a job as, uh, as good as that. She'd never find them again. She'd just take them and thank you and throw them on the floor. Don't think she'd know. In Australia, when train and bus drivers have a dispute over pay and conditions, they don't strike and stop work, but go on working, but give the commuters a free ride. Well, we've tried that in this country, haven't we? And then people said, oh, no, that's not going to make any difference in case an inspector gets on. Well, who gives us stuff whether an inspector gets on? You just go, we're all on the bus. We can do take us all to court. Of course they're not. Of course they're not. That's why it worked. But the bus drivers always argue, say, well, the inspector could get on and you could all be fined. Oh, <laughs> like we care. Like we care. Uh, eggy bread is the best, says Gary. I can't bear it. It even sounds disgusting, I'm afraid. Oh, can I give you my, my tip of the week? I only offer this because there might be some of you listening at the moment who might think that this is probably the best advice you've ever heard. Never, ever, 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 under any circumstances, take a sleeping pill and a laxative on the same night. Now, I only mention that just in case. OK, you will take that to heart, won't you? I want to be, I want to be nice about it. Uh, we found a fat woman. 27 stone and she went on a swing it's not for her it's for children but she's one of these but if I get off it's for children it's not for you know I wish they'd build adult playgrounds I think we could have a lot more fun we'd appreciate the things a little bit more and so she was 27 stone and she got stuck on a playground swing because she was gross and now she's 13 stone and uh, what she used to have for breakfast nothing nothing you see, I think you're supposed to have something for breakfast. For lunch, you'd have crisps, chocolate, pie and chips. Sounds delicious, doesn't it? I know. And for dinner, takeaway fish and chips, as opposed to what? Cooking it yourself, still bad. McDonald's or Chinese takeaway. Now, breakfast, porridge or Weetabix or yoghurt and fruit, Weetabix. I like, you could do Weetabix with hot milk, you know that. For lunch, chicken salad, jacket potato with beans and salad. And then, here we go, look. For dinner, chilli con carne, steak and Slimming World chips. God, what a lot of old rubbish. I wondered why. That's why it's an advert for Slimming World. I thought it was. <laughs> have to be something, wouldn't it? So, in other words, the rest of it you can just have. Just knock out Slimming World chips. I've given you the diet. That's all you need to worry about. And uh, you can shed 14 stone, 13 stone. It's great. Oh, God, not another one. It's another one. My wife has become a man, but it's made our marriage stronger than ever. I don't quite understand. I mean, what is it with people who... Why do people want to change this? You're not going to do anything drastic, are you? I'm not going to start coming and saying, call me Beryl or something like that. I'm not going to have to get used to that one, am I? <laughs> I don't quite understand. Why do people want to share that with you? Davina. You'd be a Davina, would you? Why have I got a horrible feeling you've used that name before? Anyway, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Shall we have everything in? Dale, listening to the programme at the moment. 
Uh, and then somebody says here, you might have been late, Steve, but you're more acerbic and entertaining when, you, when you're wound up. Don't start me now, please. Uh, one here, Anna, says, I too have been on a cruise. It was awful for 17 days over Christmas, over a Christmas. Oh, 17 days. We did a 14. What did you do, 14 or 17? I don't know. We might have done 14 days. I've got my uh, blood test results today. Not really looking forward to it. Not really, I'm not looking forward to it. I don't mind. I, be, I promised to phone a couple of friends where they said, look, phone, let us know what they say. I said, OK. It's only with the, uh, with the diabetic nurse, so it can't be that bad, can it? Can it? Oh, I hope not. Uh, other stories in the papers today. These are the stories you're going to be waking up to. The plots are murky. The lighting murkier. But the cast are dazzling. And this is Wolf Hall. Damien Lewis plays Henry VIII. It's so funny, actually, because the only images of Henry VIII we have are when he was fat and bloated and riddled with, uh, with all sorts of illnesses. And so when you see him thin, it doesn't quite work, does it? If you go to the National Gallery, there's lots of pictures of Henry VIII, mainly as he was, uh, as he was very, very fat and, uh, and looking particularly ropey. How many meals do you bin every week? The answer is six. £12 billion worth of food is thrown away annually. I'm sure they could use that. I mean, I myself are probably quite wasteful um, and feel a bit guilty that you go through the fridge and you suddenly realise that the sell-by date, when you buy this stuff now, it's it's really uh, short dates. I mean, very, very short dates. Sometimes, I think on one of the things I nearly bought yesterday, it was eat that day. And so I didn't, uh, I, I never bother with stuff like that. I like stuff that at least is going to go for a week. And most of it doesn't seem to, I'm afraid. Uh, posing with a fat cigar and a flute of champagne, he compared himself to the Wolf of Wall Street. But in fact, he was just a sad little out-to-lunch boy called Daniel Burgoyne. 24, he boasted of being a real diamond geezer, persuading people to entrust their savings for him to invest in carbon credits, gemstones and wine. But in fact, he was just a butcher... Uh, with an NVQ in business studies, who lived with his mummy, and now he's living with lots of other men in prison. He was based on a business park. He was branded the Fox of Folkestone, jail for two years. Oh, diddums. Never mind, Daniel. I'm sure you'll make lots of new friends in prison. Like his idol, whose life was made into a Martin Scorsese film starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Burgoyne lived a lavish lifestyle. He wore a Rolex. Can't have been that lavish. He only took about 75 grand. So he was wearing a Rolex. Um, he did buy, you know, diamonds and stuff like that. It was just cheap industrial stuff. Kind of stuff you find on some of these television channels where they're offering cheap jewellery. It does make me laugh. Honestly, I'm, every time I watch a jewellery channel, I just sit there thinking, why have these people never been done? You know, I mean, it's just ridiculous. You're buying the biggest pile of rubbish I've ever seen in my life. Most of it is just tat. They were trying to persuade me the other day that this uh, this ring... That had, that had started life as £2,300 and now was sixteen ninety nine was something worth investing in. I thought, yeah, kind of stuff you find in a Christmas cracker, but it's the bimbos who sell it. You've got to watch these people, I tell you. You so wish their own parents would buy this stuff and then go, look at this rubbish I bought. And you go, listen, Mum, don't, don't buy any of it. I don't know anybody who works on these channels who buys that stuff. Really, it's quite ghastly. Some of them, I mean, they sit there, it's just... Just terrible. Absolutely terrible. So anyway, so the Wolf of Wall Street, no, the Fox of Folkestone. He was a rather silly little boy. Just posing with a cigar, Daniel. And, uh, and, a, and a flute of, well, it could be just fizzy stuff, because you don't look as though you're intelligent enough to drink anything else like that. You know, does not make you a clever person. And in fact, you're not a clever person, because you're now in prison for two years. 
which is brilliant. Uh, Gordon Ramsay, snubbed by David Cameron. David Cameron has admitted <clears throat> he likes Nando's. I've never been to Nando's. I'm led to believe it's just chicken. You've never been there? Either. It's, you have been. You have been. It's just chicken, isn't it? Is it chicken in various types? Overpriced fast food. So you sit down at a table and it's nice and they do... Is it sort of spatchcock chicken? You know, where they flatten it out? Is it stuff like that? Oh, right. Okay. And does it come with different sauces? Nice and spicy. Does it come with fries and stuff? Oh, right. You have to... Oh, there's no waitress. Oh, right. How does it get to the table? You have to go and collect it. Oh, they bring it to the table. They can't be bothered to send a waitress. There's a big one in Teddington, and we've got one in Richmond. Perhaps I should go. I should go and experience it before I sort of start saying anything about it. I like that idea. I know a friend of mine loves it, but he he likes ch- he'll eat chicken all the time. Uh, so Gordon Ramsay's snubbed by Cameron. And now a document that told Margaret Thatcher has been uncovered. I think they found it in Kew in the archives, which told of the unnatural sexual behaviour of some Westminster figures. They were talking about a cover-up. So, in other words, now we know that Margaret Thatcher knew about people that she was surrounded by. This, this was Somebody was trawling through catalogue records at the National Archives for security purposes and found this one. And it names names. People here talking about child abuse. Interesting. So, so Margaret Thatcher knew about it. But again, did nothing, because probably some of the people she might have been aware of. In fact, I'm pretty pretty certain some of the people she would have been aware of. 14 to... Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Uh, nice to have you company. Uh, there's a, a bit of advice for you. Uh, the gangs are back at the banks. And when I say the gangs are back, what they've done now, as opposed to putting a whole front on those diddly-dip machine where you take your money out from, what they've done now is they've hidden cameras in the cash points and they're tiny cameras that go in phones you know how tiny that look at your own phone and have a look at the the camera in it very tiny so what they do is the camera is hidden under a false panel above an atm keypad because all they want is to see your your number that's what they need so it films the keypad the card is cloned by a device fitted to the machine they view the film remotely on another device to steal the pin number and uh, and it's it's quite easy. You'd be surprised what they can see. And so what you must do is put your hand over. Well, sometimes I don't bother, but I do stand there at some of these cash points, seeing if I can pull the thing away, see if it's got anything. So uh, you should always shield your pin. I know it looks a bit daft sometimes, but if the card is retained or the money not dispensed, you report it to the bank immediately. You've got to be very careful, and uh, people will will steal your pins. They don't have any... They, they couldn't care less, really. They're not interested whether or not it uh, makes any difference to you at all. So my advice is be careful. Be careful. Whenever you're out there and you're taking money out of a cash point, be aware that there are some people who are not very nice, and they're going to be taking your money. Uh, as the North is carpeted in white... The South escapes again. They've got snow, and you're probably listening at the moment, and you might be looking out of your window and going, it's really horrid, we don't like it. There's some poor lady here, Hilary Stevens, trying to feed her horse in the Peak District, and she's having to clear twin tracks in the snow. She's done quite well, actually. Up to eight inches expected today. Eight inches of snow coming in, and uh, she she wasn't at all happy, as as you can well imagine. Well, imagine. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I just realised, actually, I've just... Um, I think I pushed the wrong button on my machine. 
In fact, I'm pretty certain I pushed the wrong button. So now I don't have any of my texts and emails. I'm sure they'll all come up very, very shortly. Once I've had a word with the producer, he can then, uh, he can then find the things. I don't know how I do it. Seriously, I'm sure I just look at this TV screen and it's got a mind of its own. I'm convinced I just, I just sort of sit here and I go, oh, look, TV screen. And then all of a sudden it all vanishes. He'll come in here, you watch. He will push one button and it will all be restored to me. There is the girl in the... Uh, pe- I, don't, I don't know what I've done. What have I done? I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm hitting something. I don't know what I'm doing. It's... Oh, right. Is that all you have to do? Oh, Oh, right. That's very exciting. No, not really. At least I found the mouse. Sometimes the mouse vanishes. It goes to another country. I'm convinced I'm convinced it doesn't hang around waiting for me. So that's that. Oh, there we go. Look at that. That simple, you see. Of course, if only I'd known how to do that. <laughs> so, oh, I've got to sign in again. Oh, here we go. Sign in again. So if you've just sent a text message, hang fire with me. Just hang fire. Just just be sort of nice for a few minutes. Well, in fact, less than a few minutes. No, 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 no. Uh, 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 and that, and there we go, that's fine. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, this is the story of a girl, aged 18, who filmed her best friend having sex and then posted it on Facebook as revenge porn. Uh, her name is Danica France. She's a nasty piece of work. She really is nasty. She filmed Leia Trevina without her consent while she was out uh, with a man... When Miss Trevina protested, 18-year-old France promised she would delete the video. But a month later, the pair fell out and nasty Danica posted it. She apparently used to be a carer. Luckily, she's not caring anymore. Miss Trevina, who's a college student, reported her to the police, saying she felt hurt, humiliated and suicidal. Um, The incident happened in October after the pair had been out together in Newcastle. They met two men, later went back to their digs where uh, Danica... I mean, you've only got to look at her to realise what she is. Uh, Took this sex footage on her mobile phone. Uh, The video shows that she was laughing as Leia was protesting. Leia didn't give permission to be filmed and asked the defendant to immediately delete the video. Danica, this is the nasty piece of work, uh, told that the friendship fell apart and she told Miss Trevina to jump off a bridge and do everybody a favour. This is Danica France, who's the nasty piece of work. Later, she sent the video to a friend, asking him to put a screenshot online. And he did so. Anyway, she's been found guilty. Found guilty. And uh, she's got to pay Miss Trevina £100 in compensation. She's also got to wear an electronic tag. She's on benefits, incidentally, Danica. You know, I'd go out there, take her phone away from her. She's a horrible piece of work. She really. I tell you, if I bumped into her, I think we'd be throwing rotten eggs. Not think so? I think so. The crime is being discussed in Parliament and a spokesman for the Crown Prosecution Service said nobody should have to suffer the hurt and humiliation of revenge pornography. So if you know Danica France, I think rotten eggs and fruit and just, you know, push her, just push her hard onto the pavement. Horrible piece of work. Out of the way, she turned up and caught with a big smile on her face. Nasty, nasty. Nick Ferrari is going to be talking about that this morning. This this revenge porn idea. You know, people sort of do it and then they fall out with somebody and then they post it online. The best bed and breakfast we did yesterday. The mail a little bit slow. They obviously had far too much to put in the paper yesterday. They found the best B&B in the world. It was once a poorhouse. £38 a night. Now, they are also... People are served homemade scones and jam on arrival. China cups, a teapot and a cafetiere can be found in the elegant bedrooms. Uh, and uh, her breakfast, Mrs Burrell, Sue and Andrew Burrell, uh, her homemade bread is legendary. 
And when it's a guest's birthday, women are given handmade chocolates and men get beer from a local brewery. And so they run this three-bedroom B&B with painstaking attention to detail. How lovely. She said, from the moment they arrive, we spoil our guests. And so they do. TripAdvisor, they've got 355 reviews. Eight hours after the honour was announced, the couple had taken 100 bookings. You see? It works. It obviously works. 38 quid a night. That's why I laugh in London. You look at some of the rates in London. You know, it can be hundreds and hundreds of pounds. But they're charging £38, and that's included, uh, including a breakfast. How wonderful. Good for them. Good for them. So if they've taken 100 bookings, that's good. And um, they converted their family home into the B&B, now valued at, wait for this, £425,000. Just about the price of a two-bedroom flat round uh, my way. Three years ago, when their two grown-up children left home. It's made up of a collection of buildings, including the Elizabethan poorhouse, an old fire station, and the ancient jail, which operated under the rain of Queen Victoria. So there it is, £38. And for that, they give you some, some nice things. Nice things. Including scones and clotted cream and stuff. How delicious. How absolutely delicious. Uh, 84850. Uh, which paper is the TripAdvisor story in? As I live near the double eight Chinese takeaway, and I can confirm it's fantastic. I want to show it to the owner. Well, I should imagine they'll be told already because uh, the, the paper will have contacted them. So you don't need to show it to the owner. You're not going to get a discount. You're not going to get a discount. Uh, is it me, but the mind boggles that there are 19 ingredients in McDonald's fries, says Neil. I mean, surely fries are potato fried in oil. Simples. What are the other ingredients? Oh, colouring, uh, about four or five different types of oil, a preservative, uh, one that makes sure they don't discolour when they get frozen. Uh, oh, there's all sorts of strange things in there. Strange things. He said, I, oh, by the way, I did actually receive the business hub from BT yesterday. What service? Only ordered at the beginning of December. He says, oh, and they're going to call me this morning with a compensation offer for not supplying any business, internet and broadband for 27 days. I will let you and all your listeners know the offer. How many listeners do you have on average, Steve? Lots. Lots. Actually, we've got a, we've got a, a, a figures meeting, I think, in, uh, in two weeks' time. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Anne says, uh, I'm afraid I'm quite wary of claims against well-known, well-off public figures. We would probably have never heard of the accused. She was an unknown with no money. Oh, no, she was making a fortune. She's working around the world. She's being flown around by Mr Epstein, Anne. Come on, you can't be that naive, surely. She says, it's also quite naive not to think the photos can be doctored. No, 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 the photo is absolutely genuine. You can't be that naive, surely. You can't, well, you might be, actually. You might be, actually. On second thoughts, you might be. Definitely. Uh, Fraser said, I've got my blood test. He says, a bit concerned about my liver as I'm an alcohol enthusiast. Are you concerned about anything? No, nothing at all. Nothing at break. Oh, yes, I knew there was something coming up. It's this nice piece of music. Seems silly when we've got the orchestra sitting in the corner not to make full use of them. They sit there. Most of them are nearing retirement age, but I think you'll find they're in fine form this morning. The family's fury at the Iraq war cover-up disgrace. Prince Andrew, more allegations. They're pushing him. They're pushing him. Heavy snow and ice around the country. Travel chaos. I will tell you, the woman who spent seven years living on a cruise ship, she loves it. She loves it. She speaks to the kids on a regular basis. Costs her about a hundred and something thousand pounds a year. I'm sure you could probably do it cheaper. Plain packaging for cigarettes. The eye test that can reveal dyslexia. Obama. We must start a war against the IS terrorists. And uh, Manchester United's Old Trafford Stadium. Plagued by mice. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. You're very welcome.
This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's called Clegg with Nick Ferrari just after news at nine o'clock this morning. It's Thursday, the 22nd of January. The tears at Deirdre's tribute at the National Television Awards. The stars from Corrie came out. There were tears and it was a lovely tribute. The family's fury at the Iraq war cover-up disgrace. Prince Andrew apparently is going to say something today at 5.30. Will he deny the allegations? Who knows? There's certainly more of them in the paper. Uh, Elton John still pocketing money for Las Vegas. £330,000 for every show. Far too cheap as far as I'm concerned. The woman who threw water found guilty of assault. Do you make a terrible patient? We've got the art of being ill. And the unholy row as the vicar sacked for a con involving £60,000. So the stars came out last night. It was lovely to see them all there at the National Television Awards. And uh, some of the right people got awards and some didn't get awards. But we knew that the night was going to belong to Anne Kirkbride. We knew that there was going to be a tribute to her for the people who worked with her. The people who said that she came in every day and she, she brought a little bit of sunshine. She was always interested in people. People, you know, chatted. She chatted to them. She was just nice, taken far too young at the age of 60. Uh, Darcy Bustle was there. Paul Hollywood, how lovely to see with his wife. Bit of a rarity, but nice to see the picture. Amanda Holden with her new eyebrows. And, uh, and Lorraine Kelly, looking like Lorraine Kelly. Uh, but everybody seemed very happy and it was all good. So here is the widow... This is a widow. She solved the problem of living in comfort in the autumn of her days by moving into a cabin on a cruise ship. Now, there is a ship. It's called The World, and you can buy apartments on it. They're not cheap. They're not cheap. It's for the super rich. I think the apartments start at around about 600000 800000 whatever it is. It's, it's a lot of money. And the idea is that the ship keeps cruising around the world, and you can hop on and hop off depending on how you feel about it. Uh, this lady, £108,000 a year. Uh, she's 86. Her name's Lee. She lost her husband, Mason, to cancer in 97. She spent the last seven years aboard the luxury cruise ship Crystal Serenity. With the support of her children, she sold... Oh, she's American, of course. She sold her five-bedroom home in Fort Lauderdale and now spends 108000 a year sailing the world. She says, my husband introduced me to cruising during our 50-year marriage. We did 89. The day before he died, he said, don't stop cruising. So she's done 100 more. The crew members bend over backwards to keep her happy. She says, all the time I've been here, I've never had a sick day because they, everything's on board ship. So in other words, you know, if, if you do, a lot of elderly Americans, I don't, I don't mean this in a, in a detrimental way, but a lot of elderly Americans go on to cruise ships because they've got all the medical treatment on board that you could ever need. If you go on some of the big ships, even bigger than the one that she's been on, which is Crystal Serenity, they've got, like, fully equipped hospitals. So they go there because it's cheaper than paying the medical insurance back at home. Her bill for this year includes the costs of her single occupancy, seventh deck stateroom and all meals. When they say stateroom, they're, they're really not very big. They're actually really quite tiny. There is enough room for a... You know, a very small wardrobe, a bed and a little table and chairs. But if that's the way she likes it, she doesn't have to spend all the time in her cabin. She can come out and, and wander the ship with all the other uh, crew. And, uh, and she loves it. There's about 1,000 passengers, 1,070, but there's nearly 700 crew members. It's, they're really very well looked after. And she says, uh, I love to eat. 
and regularly dine at a table for eight. You meet interesting passengers, and I've made lots of new friends. She does ballroom dancing. Uh, before coming aboard this ship she's on at the moment, she said I'd lived on a Holland-American liner for three years. The day they announced they were stopping the dance host programme was the day I left. I dance every night for a couple of hours after dinner. I've been doing it for years, and I've also trained with the ship's dance instructors. And she does needlepoint. She loves it. I mean, she's just... She's 86. It's given her a new lease of life. £108,000. What's the point of sitting in a place in Fort Lauderdale, or wherever it was she was? Yeah, it was Fort Lauderdale. You know, when she can, she can cruise the oceans of the world. The food is beautiful on board. You know, some of them now, it's all-inclusive drinks. I think Royal Caribbean are offering all-inclusive drinks. So, so good for her. Good for her. She's, she's obviously found the perfect lifestyle. At the age of 86, she's very sprightly with it as well. So good for her. 84850, steve at uh, Another one here. I think, says Lynn in Bushy, having cigarettes in plain packaging rather daft. Fake's easier to hide, and then somebody's bound to come up with some fancy cases to hold the packet in, making it fashionable. Oh, there was a woman on the train the other day talking of things fashionable, and she gets on the train with the biggest suitcase I've ever seen. So, of course, I'm thinking, oh, I'll just go to... I'll just close my eyes. I like going to sleep on a train. I can be lulled into a sense of false whatever it is. And I sort of sit there and... It's lovely. Except when the door's open and they let people on and then it ruins it. Anyway, she sat there and then her phone started ringing. And they've always got the most annoying ringtones. And this one, I can't remember what it was. It was something horrible. And so, as opposed to having the phone on her, no, it's in her bag. So she's got to open the bag. Then she finds the phone. Then it's still ringing. So it's been going for about a minute... And then she's got to take it out of its cover, and she answers, go, hello? 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 So we're all listening to it. I mean, you, you can't help it. And, and then she turns it off. And then, <laughs> she's not the brightest, she puts it back in its cover, puts it back in the case, blow me down, two minutes later, it rings again. So she takes it out of the case. Hello? Hello? Unfortunately, she's got the speaker on, so we can hear the person the other end. And it's obviously some child who's saying to her... What shall I do with the duvet? And she says, well, just, just fold it up and put it on the chair, as we always do. Was there anything else you wanted, she says. And we're all looking at each other on the train going, why don't you just put your phone down, dear? Why don't you do us all a favour? You know, because it becomes very annoying, doesn't it? People have to have loud conversations on their phones. It is a bit like Dom Jolly. Hello! That kind of thing. Uh, I must mention, uh, 12 minutes past six, Jim Moyer, who I know listens to this uh, programme, and likes it. So that's always good news, Jim. Thank you very much indeed. It's always nice to have uh, people on board who are aficionados of the, of the speech genre, which I love. I've got a story as well of a woman called Michelle Dodd. Uh, Michelle Dodd was convicted of assault. What was the assault? She threw water at her neighbour's noisy children. I kind of sympathise, really. She was arrested and charged. The court heard that the neighbours had been in dispute for more than a year, and there had been a year, uh, for more than a year, and there had been three water-throwing incidents, only water. On each occasion, the water thrown from her window landed on her neighbour, Ashfan Iqbal, or one of her four children. Unemployed Michelle Dodd uh, denied the offence, but was found guilty of all three charges of assault in Stockport Court. Second time we mentioned Stockport. One of our favourite restaurants was in Stockport. She says, um, uh, the court heard that Dodd of Reddish in Stockport has had a long dispute with Mrs Iqbal over her noisy children playing on the trampoline. One of her children was two. Mrs Iqbal says, I can't stop my two-year-old being loud. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Don't be so stupid. Of course you can. She says, they do what children do. 
Yes. I think you are... When, when you say you're sad, I, I feel a bit sad for you as well. A bit sad. Of course you can tell your children to be quiet. Of course you can. And if you can't, then uh, perhaps you need to go to parenting classes. Of course you can make your children be a little bit quieter. That's, that's the whole idea, isn't it? That's the whole idea. You know, play quietly. We were always told that. Play quietly. You know how to play quietly. You can do things. You're just a little bit quieter. A little bit quieter. Uh, tears as Brian Blessed returns to the stage at the age of 78. Uh, they thought he'd had a heart attack the other day. Bit of a heart scare. But anyway, he's back. Uh, the man with the big booming voice will go for years. I hope. Because I, uh, I think he's lovely. Ken says, you make me laugh of a morning because of your daily battle with modern technology. I think technology wins. Oh, I've left, no doubt in my mind technology wins. Absolutely. Technology wins. Oh, by the way, this weekend for In Conversation, Johnny Vegas and Bonnie Tyler. It's, uh, it's a force to be reckoned with. This is Sunday morning between 5 and 6 a.m., repeated between 9 and 10. So just sandwiched between Clive Bull and Duncan Barks. So Bonnie Tyler, who's at the O2 on the 7th of February, and Johnny Vegas, who is back in Benidorm. Both really, really good conversations, so I know that you'll enjoy those for this weekend. And, of course, you'll be able to podcast as well. So that's good news. So in conversation this coming Sunday morning between 5 and 6, repeated 9 and 10 at night. And try and make both of them if you can. News time, 